Welcome to October. As the meme says, goodbye hot girl summer. Hello, witch bitch autumn. Or if you are living in the American South, it's both for a long time. It's actually hotter for the- you guys than it is for me right now. <laughs> yeah. It's super hot here. Oh. Yeah. Um, we are the women of everything trying to kill you, the comedy podcast that analyzes your favorite horror movies. I am Mary Kay. I'm Mary. I'm Rachel. And today we're going to talk about the film adaptation of Shirley Jackson's novel, We Have Always Lived in the Castle. <laughs> because my name is Mary Kay, by the way, I just needed to say that every time any character said Mary Cat, I did like a Rita Hayworth hair flip from Gilda and said, Who, me? Because we have the same name. I'm sorry I was giggling. Um, it's because Rachel looks like like a stereo like a like a teenager, like a, a joke version. <laughs> she looks like she's in a blanket. Of a teenager. Fort. She's like in the dark with her phone, like not even looking at the screen while she's talking to us. She's like, I'm, I'm following Rachel. the outline. Like, I know what's I know what's what you're doing, but what it looks like is that scene in us. When Lupita comes in and she is like, turn off your phone. And her daughter is like, okay. And then just waits for her to leave and turns it back on. Rachel's feet are higher than her head right now. <laughs> she is fully reclined. She wants all the blood to go to her brain for smartness reasons. Mm. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway, for our icebreaker, I wanted to take it a little out of the text of the film because we have the younger Farmiga sister. Right? Is that how you said their last name? Farmiga? Farmiga. Or, I don't know. Anyway, the first name is also impossible for me. I think it's Thaisa. Yeah, that is is correct. I did look that up. Okay, I tried to and then quit because I was like, Mary will know. By the way, on everything trying to kill you, we are champions of the Farmiga sisters hard because we just did The Conjuring and we did another one with her in there, too, but I can't remember what it was. Anyway, for our icebreaker, I wanted to ask y'all, who is your favorite contemporary scream queen? Mary has her hand raised. I've already mentioned her once. It's Lupita. Yeah, I knew it was going to be. Mm-hmm. So I had a second one lined up. <laughs> I <laughs> hope that Rachel doesn't I love, take my second one. I love her one. so much. You want to go next? And she's so good. And she's so beautiful. She is so good. And she just she glows is. and... She moves exquisitely. She really does have the best skin, mm-hmm. and they light her the best way. Oh. She's great. Um, I'm really excited to see Little Monsters. I think that's going to be fun. My favorite contemporary scream queen, and this is Mary Kay, Anya Taylor-Joy. Oh, of for course. Sure. Of course. The Witch mm-hmm. and oh, um, yeah. Split. And, Thoroughbreds um, was the other thing we saw her in. Yeah. Yes. That was the one I was trying to, I was grasping for. She's my favorite. I love her. She's so weird. And I want to be friends with her so bad. If you are listening right now, call me. I like how we all went quiet like she was going to call right now. Like we needed to wait for the phone to ring. I know. Oh, should we take a call from our listeners? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you wanted to donate $1,000? Cool. Thank you. Did, Stay on the line. What if we did a whole episode like we were... Uh, the dudes from Car Talk, like Click and Collect, the Ew. Tapper Brothers. Like, what if we just did that? Like, do you, do you think we could pull it off? Like, in a whole episode? No. Okay. No, I don't think I could pull off even a little bit of it because I would just my brain would explode. Rachel, who's your favorite scream queen? Okay, you just talked about her, so I feel like it's kind of a cop out. But I thought really hard about this one, and it. It can only be Vera Farmiga. Okay. Because mm-hmm. not of anything that she's been except Bates Motel. I love her so much in that. She was the whole reason I was I kept I, I kept watching. She was absolutely my favorite. She is also stunning. Well, Taisa looks mm-hmm. exactly like her. No. I it was trippy for me. Like they, they do look very alike. I didn't know they were related strong. until I read this outline, and I was like, "Oh, that's probably her." Oh, I hadn't. Yeah, I hadn't <laughs> seen anything, and I, I hadn't seen any um, names yet. I just kind of went in cold, and I was like, "Oh, that's got to be a, a small Farmiga, her sister, her, her." I, I, I thought her mm-hmm. daughter, but there is a twenty-something year age difference. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's her, it's her younger sister because just not just the way she looked, but physicality, voice. I was like, "That's mm-hmm. that is a." That is a small version of the thing we love. She's like a fun-sized candy bar. She is awesome. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. So 
where to begin with this movie because it was just I really liked it. Did you guys like it I even as it. an adaptation? Mary did not. Um, <laughs> Rachel was, looked up from her repose. I, I was like, why is it so quiet? I was because I was making a face and Mary Kay saw it. Um I I I thought there was a lot I did like about it. But I kept having this moment where I would be like, wait, how much time has passed? Pause the movie and be like, what What even happened? Like 10 minutes have passed? What were the events of the story that happened? Yeah, that's the whole thing about Shirley Jackson is like, it's not a thing happening. It's like a mood. Right. And that's that's just such an experience, different experience on the page than it is on the screen. I I enjoy that. That's true, but I really yeah, like it. I enjoy that a lot still. when I'm reading. I enjoy it a lot more when I'm reading than when I'm that's fair. Viewing, but you know, what was entertaining me while I was watching is this house. Fuck me to death! I would never leave that house either. It's fantastic. So gorgeous. It is both gothic and 1960s. I don't know how they did it. The castle's exterior was amazing. The garden or spell ground, and when we go under the ground for that second where like everything is coming up out of the ground which by the way was adapted that's not in the book love that the town was super spooky with the muted colors um the the parlor oh my god i was actually surprised i was actually surprised we didn't get more of the house and the frame there were a couple moments where i thought like you know this this like towering structure is is like what these two little people call home um and i was kind of surprised we didn't have more shots where we could see get a sense of scale right of how epic this this fortress is compared to these two incredibly fragile figures well three fragile figures that inhabit it two that are inhabiting it consciously i don't Julian is kind of there and also not <laughs> I, kind of there. I love his character, though, and I feel like Crispin Glover did oh, an yeah. impeccable job. This whole, all of the casting, I felt like, was spot on. Representation could have been a little bit better, but there's only, like, one or two characters you could cast because they're all family. Well, I, I understand, like, I understand the circumstance. Like, this is Vermont, this is, like, and all of that contributes to the isolation, right? Like, the uh, the geography of Vermont. Vermont is a very white place. Like, I, I you know, I, it, I always... It makes logical sense. It just would have been nice. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I always will have a moment, even if it makes perfect sense, in any movie where I think, like, well, I guess I just wouldn't be here if I were in this world. I just wouldn't be in it, apparently. Okay. Okay. And then just kind of move on. It's also the 60s, which I think is a relevant point. Yeah, so I really wouldn't have been there. Well, right. And then I was also like, but then the, the some of the town could have been. And I was kind of like, not really, because things were still segregated into the 60s. Yeah. My, so. my parents' marriage was still illegal in South Carolina in like the 90s. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't being enforced, obviously, but it was still on the books. We may not always have our shit together as a country. No shit. <laughs> but at least South Carolina has a cheap gas. Yeah. I'm like, that's one thing they're doing. And that south of the border theme it park thing me. is fun. Yeah, we passed that on the way to that conference. And my former students were all like, um, hi. Yeah. That's, <laughs> like, that's, yeah, physically. <laughs> my sister was born there, actually, when we were stationed in uh, Charleston. In in that theme park, yes, like on a like on my a mom slide. like slid down to like brontosaur <laughs> and like when she hit the ground at the end, she just like popped out. Perfect. Just kidding. She was actually born by C section during a thunderstorm and a power outage. Oh fuck! She was delivered by flashlight. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely did something weird to her. I don't know. She bit people for a long time growing up. Like something went wrong. Like way past the age where children are biting. She's never going to listen to this. It's fine. Um, okay. Well, speaking of like way past the age to uh-huh. do stuff, uh-huh. Mary Cat's social behavior is weird. Is it social and oh, <laughs> Well, so here's the thing, right? Is like she's trying to keep her sister not hostage, but isolated with her. And she doesn't want to be in the town. Which, if they were all treating me like that, I can't say that I would want to be there either. But she's also a murderer. For sure. For sure. How long did it take you guys to be like, 
Oh, she did it. When in the opening narration, she, narration, she said, "We have never done anything to anyone." I was like, <laughs> "You yep. crazy little fuck!" Like, I do not want to use this ablest word. <laughs> Shit, people could use it against me, but oh my god, that's clearly not accurate. Yeah. That can't be right. Yeah. Now I know it's you. You're the problem, mm-hmm. or not? I mean, not the only problem. And now she's wearing all white with her hair pulled back really tight. And she's, she's like, I'm 18 years old. Like, the way she's narrating it makes you know that she's not telling you everything. Um, and so, in the beginning, she is doing that, like, weird narrating thing. But I kind of liked the frame narrative. I liked that as an adaptation. It, I normally hate that. But it enabled us to have, like, her inner monologue as a voiceover without it being like, oh, you couldn't figure out how to tell it on screen. I do think as a... As a feature, it works well here um, because these are characters who are keeping so much from one another that the alternative was to externalize things physically, right? To generate action that isn't in the story so that we can see what they feel about each other or how they think about each other. And that would have made this something very different. Possibly something Mary, Amelia would have enjoyed more. But (laughs) if that's not what you're going for, if what you want is that really slow burn, atmospheric trippy uh psychological thing where it's not so much about the events and how they build as it is about how the tension builds then generating action is not going to serve you and this is a tool that lets us into one head maintains a lot of mystery but gives us some insight that we need to keep up for the rest of that that slow burn because it's all through like we we don't really see the characters interacting without her it's very limited. It's all like through her lens. And so from the very beginning, when we open up with her, we already opened up with this unreliable narrator because I don't trust I, I don't trust anything she says and I don't trust anything I see either because I feel like this is all through her lens. Something in- kind of interesting about Mary Cat that uh, that's so weird even just saying that name aloud. It sounds like I'm saying my own name. So Book Squad Goals just did an episode about this, um, the book version. Um, And they had a couple of guests on that were really cool, and they wrote the book Monster She Wrote. Um, But one thing that they mentioned in that episode, and I'll link to it in the show notes, so if you guys want to go listen to stuff about the book after this, you can. But one of the things that they brought up, and two of the hosts have different types of OCD. Like as soon as Mary Cat was on screen, they were like, she has OCD too, um, which is interesting because I have no experience with that, so I couldn't identify it. I was just like, oh, she fixates on interesting things. Like, um, I didn't feel protected, so I needed to bury something in the ground. It's like, okay. I mean, when I don't feel protected, I go eat a handful of M&Ms. That, like, that's the equivalent <laughs> of me for me, right. you know? Well, here, like when I feel unsafe, I scream, you're stupid like your father. I mean, right. but that's just one thing. Well, yeah. And so for, for me, I, uh, I struggled with the awareness on her part of what she was doing. It would be one thing if she were, she were struggling and clinging to her status quo to help like maintain her stability. And in the process of trying to maintain her status quo, she were sabotaging or limiting her sister in some way. That's not what's happening here. She knows. You don't think so? Oh, no, she oh, knows. Oh, yeah, no, she, she knows. She is very, yeah, yeah, very okay. deliberately. Like, when her when Constance says, like, look how far I made it today. She's basically yeah. like, mm, you ain't shit. Get in the house. Like, she, she like, uh, sabotages her. I don't think it was her. like that. I think... I mean, kind of, but uh, I mean, I, I think that she's aware that she wants Constance to stay in the house because she, I mean, for one, goes into, like, when they're in the parlor and the woman is like, you, you're you a beautiful girl, you need to get back out in society, like, you need to, yeah. you know, it's not good for oh, you to be she had up that in freak here. out. Yeah. Yeah, Mary Cat goes into the kitchen, smashes the sugar bowl, mm-hmm. and says, make Constance stay. Yeah. Like, she's trying it's to a cast spell. a spell. Yeah. 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 Um, which... I understand because, first of all, well, on a few levels, right? Like on the most basic level, 
they get bullied in town. And Constance is very fragile. Um, so that one, also, they think that she's a murderer, even though she was acquitted. So even if they leave the town, like, Constance isn't going to be able to, like, re-enter society in any sort of meaningful way. According to, like, I mean, we all know now, like, that's not how things work. But it's in the 60s, and it's also Mary Cat doing this thinking. And then thirdly, she's in love with Constance. Like, very much obsessed. I would, yeah, obsessed, yes. I, I think it's something other than romantic love, for sure. That it's, it's... I think it's other than and including romantic love. It's definitely... I mean, it's not, it's not something I would rule out. It's not something I read. It's very understated, yeah. It was something sure. that I, I, I read this as, um, as, as falling under the umbrella of that kind of struggle with control. And this unhealthy relationship yeah. to control. So even her relationships, even this one that matters so much to her and is so meaningful, has to fit or work in a way that she like can manage. Which leads to a really bizarre like way of thinking about this person. Uh, For sure. And I'm not saying it's a sexual relationship. No, I don't think so. But I do think it's romantic in nature. It is very unnatural and very um, toxic and... It's 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 really it's really fucked up. But the thing is, is that I think I find your take on it, Mary Kay, very fascinating because I feel like Constance is actually very very strong, and she's putting on face, and I think Mary Cat is um trying is like like you say holding her hostage there for like a sense of control, and so I feel like when I think of Mary Cat. I think of that kid from that episode in the Twilight Zone, Anthony something, where everyone in the village has to do whatever he says and think happy thoughts. Otherwise, he'll turn them and send them to the cornfield or turn them into some horrible monster. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know that episode, but I, I, I haven't yeah, seen it. That's very similar. I haven't seen so it in I a feel long like, time, but yeah. So when, every time I see Candace on screen with this big smile, I feel like she's putting on face, like, I better not upset my sister. Yeah. Otherwise, I might be next. Well, so everyone we see in this story is enabling the other people in this story. So I think each each of the three original, original Blackwoods um, is is not Charles, right? Um, each of the original three Blackwoods, the, the the Blackwoods in the castle, not the interloper, um, are they are each strong in their own ways and they are, but they are each traumatized or damaged in their own ways. And one of the first things I thought when I saw the way Constance interacted with, um, with Maricat was, oh, she's, she's enabling her. She's, she recognizes that her sister is unhealthy and that this is not necessarily behavior she can help that this is not something that even if she is doing a lot of this stuff on purpose the 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 origins of it are something that she she didn't ask for and can't control so she is enabling that and then when i saw her with charles i was like oh oh and maricat is enabling her with all this super protective and controlling behavior like she is mirroring a relationship constance needs to recreate because Constance has survived, I, that, that immediately I was like, "Oh, their dad, right? Like their dad must have must have at least beaten her, if not also sexually abused her." Like that's the dynamic. That's what I was. I thought it was implied the whole time yes. that they had some kind of incestuous abuse happening mm-hmm. with their dad. Not Mary Cat, but she knew about it and was trying to protect yeah. Constance. Yes. So, so so she continues because Constance protected her when she's like, "You're going to send me to bed without my dinner, mm-hmm. motherfucker." I don't think so. Exactly. But then also at the like, end, I thought it, it could have even been both sisters because at the end when Charles attacks Mary Cat on the stairs, it was in a very much sort of like he was on top of her in a very, you know, in, like in between her legs and everything. And she was screaming, no, father, stop. She kept calling him father in that scene. So it could have even been both. It could have, yeah. And I think that they're, what's the term I'm looking for where they like work together? Collaboration? Cooperation? Yeah. They're. Yeah, but it's stronger than that. Maybe like collusion. Yeah. If it's a crime, <laughs> like, that works. Uh, 
Constance knew from the jump mm. that Mary Cat poisoned the sugar. Mm. Before she tells her, she's like, I'm going to put death in all their food, right? And Constance goes, oh, like you did the first time. Yeah. So, And then she's like, yeah, I put it in the sugar because I know you don't take sugar. And then Constance says, I know, and I knew it then. And I'm sorry that I brought it up. I'll never bring it up again. I thought about the opening to Arrested Development. Right? Now, the story of a wealthy family who lost everything. Yep. And the one sister... But they didn't lose anything. That's well, the brilliance they, of it. Is that they lost their Charles abuser. takes the safe, but Mary Cat's buried well, everything. Well, at the start of the story, they have lost their family and their status and their... Well, yeah, but that's like a good loss. Right, but we don't know that in the start. I just thought like you could have plopped that same intro down here and it would have basically worked. Because then we're going to spend the next hour and a half looking at these women like... What the fuck happened to you that you were acting like a little baby child and you are acting like and you are in this state of super intense denial, enabling, like all three of the original Blackwoods are like stunted by the stuff they've survived. And Julian physically, very literally stunted by surviving the poisoning. And then the, the girls each stunted by surviving their abuse. And I was like, man, this is like a like a brooding version of Arrested Development. <laughs> it's Southern Gothic. I mean, it's not Southern, but it, okay, it's just Gothic, I guess. <laughs> yeah. New England Gothic or whatever. But it's very similar. Also, I noticed like while we're speaking of like being stunted, it all it manifests in really different ways for each character. So for like for Constance, she is always feeding people particularly Mary Cat and Uncle Julian and then Charles when he shows up, um, which is a very, like, protective and nurturing thing, but not when there's the potentiality of the sugar having poison in it. So food is, like, a really powerful metaphor, particularly in the 1960s in the domestic realm. Also, I want that kitchen. Oh, I know. Is Mary Cat okay? Because she's really worried about lunch. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why she keeps asking about lunch all the time. I have a theory, but I want to hear what you guys think first. I just thought she's been deprived of food, like as a punishment. So she like, she like triple checks, right? Like it's like a, a comfort thing. Even if like how, like we used to do this. Oh my God. At the camp all the time. Like, how long, how long until, how long until, how long until, what's next? What's next and then what's mm-hmm. after? What's next and then what's after? It, it's comforting to know what to expect be- when you have had an, a lot of instability. Um, I didn't think about it like that, but that's perfect. Because she's always like, you're not going to try to punish me, are you? You're not going to try to punish me, right? Because you saw how well that turned out for the last person. <laughs> <laughs> right? So... I think it's partly that, and then it's also like, because Mary Cat has shown her what can happen with food if you don't trust the person making it. So I think it's also her being like, um, it's like reinforcing Constance's, like, uh, her own confidence, right? Because she's like, yes, I think I'll make you, like, this extravagant single-serving dish, but I'm going to make Uncle Julian this totally different, like, duck dish, which is bizarre and as she was coming up with like each of these entrees for each person in the house I was like there is no fucking way Mary Cat is carrying all of those groceries home like no way I thought about this a little bit too because I just oh man guys I found a new therapist so it's gonna start coming up a lot um talking to my therapist about like the the weird all the the weird like outcroppings of being with someone who doesn't want you to love them like who's going to just actively reject any tactic. Yes. Every time you get close they're going to kick you in the chest. Yeah, yeah, like so so yeah, if you if they sucks. say this is if they say this is the line, this is the boundary, this is how I want to be loved and you say, "Okay, I can get closer to that." When you get closer because it feels vulnerable, they just back they just keep backing up. And this was something that like my ex like straight up told me like, "Stop. Like, you, stop." And the thing is, was he rejecting my my bid for attention and connection? absolutely very shitty also was he right that i was just like straight up spending money and wasting groceries on shit he wasn't gonna eat yeah accurate because he was just gonna reject it 
So there was no point in me like getting excited about cooking special things for us to share as a family because we weren't a fucking family, were we? But here's the thing. I totally understand everything you're saying. And I also think, especially in the South, if you don't eat my food, you can go straight to hell. Oh, yeah. Like, that's that's a direct personal insult. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, I think so. And I would be very personally insulted if my significant other, who is from the South, was like, stop pushing your food on me. Um, I... I'd be like, you can eat this or choke on it, motherfucker. <laughs> I grew up with a, a Jewish grandmother and a West Indian grandmother. Oh, so they push food it's too. Like, it's like they're trying to turn you into foie gras. Like they might as well just blend it up and put it in a pastry pipette and like <laughs> down your throat. They're so serious about it. So yeah, like I, you, if I. I mean, you don't have to eat all of it, but you have to taste if I, it. If I cook for you. You at least acknowledge that it's more about the gesture and it's more about the sharing and it's more about the connection and put it on your right. plate and pick at it politely, like eat the skin off the fried chicken and, and like, you know, eat a single Brussels sprout to humor me, even though you don't like Brussels sprouts because I do. And then we can right. all move on with our lives. Also, you're a really good cook. So oh, thank you. I can't remember the last time I cooked for you. Shit. When I came to see you. In Austin? Several times you cooked for me, yeah. <laughs> I've gotten I've gotten better over the years. Actually, I was chatting with some of my very, I have some very young classmates these days, guys. They're all like 18. And we were chatting about cooking today with my older classmates. And I was saying how I, like, I just like thought white people ate bad food because I didn't realize that my mom was just not American. So she's working with a totally different. So I would just go to my friend's houses and it was like, I don't know. I felt like they just like boiled the chicken. <laughs> but didn't boil the rice like I didn't know what was happening I was like why is the rice falling away from itself why did you put butter on it why is this chicken gross and it took me a while to realize and then what I did realize I would just over season everything terribly trying to approximate what my mother does now I'm trying to figure out okay what do the individual seasonings taste like and how do you combine them in a way that complements the thing you're seasoning chill the fuck out Cumin doesn't actually go on everything, Mary. But it kind of does. If you were making several, yeah, (laughs) but it kind of does. But if you were making several different entrees for lunch, Mm -hmm. like one for each human Mm -hmm. and one dinner for each human, Mm -hmm. I mean, you ain't doing nothing else. You're gardening and doing that. Also, Constance, how dare you garden in that beautiful dress? How? Very dare dare you? You you know, one of my favorite shots. A lot of the a lot of the framing in this, like the, the didn't like jump out at me as especially exciting or innovative or anything. One shot that I absolutely loved was Sebastian Stan holding out his coffee cup, casual as he likes, saying, your sister works like a slave. She doesn't even enter the frame to pour his coffee. She's just like, you just see her hand pop in to pour his coffee because he held the <laughs> cup out. And I was like, yeah. damn, that's good. That's Also, perfect. did you just call that him Sebastian? Good. Yeah, that's his name. The actor. Oh, that is so funny because I wanted to say that the whole time I'm watching this movie, the second time around, I'm like, Charles is basically like, he reminds me of Sebastian from the movie yeah. Anastasia. Oh, I was thinking Cruel Intentions. I was thinking Cruel Intentions too, yeah. Um, so yeah. that's the one role. Are we? Can we talk actors a little bit here? Because we've already mm-hmm. acknowledged that we think the original three Blackwoods are just flawless across the board. Impeccable. Beautifully cast. Yes. Um, I especially Uncle Julian. I want to come back to him full Chris, force later. It's like they just took Crispin Glover and said, "Do what you always do, but a little more Victorian, weird, and in a wheelchair." And he was like, "Got it, great, <laughs> going with it." <laughs> um, I'm ready. Sebastian Stan, I feel, may have been a miscast here. I don't think he does a bad job. I don't think he's a bad actor. I think that. He never, for me, never quite rose to the level of, like, charm, that kind of effortless charm that would make him actually threatening. Like, he's somewhat threatening because um, Constance is so, is so, like, sheltered and naive that it wouldn't take... Anyone who shows up, like... Anyone who... She's thirsty. Yeah, she's thirsty and she has such... She's the most thirsty character we've ever seen on screen. Yeah, and we've had vampires on this show. first cousin. yeah. Um, so she, she's naive, she is sheltered, she's thirsty, and she is especially prone to 
be vulnerable with someone who's actively trying to take advantage of her. That's the relationship pattern she knows to recreate, right? Um, I'm not saying that she actually wants to be in unhealthy relationships, to be clear, listeners. I'm saying that we recreate the patterns we know because there is some sort of security in at least knowing what comes next or how it turns out, as we've just said. The devil so, you know versus the devil you don't. Right. So, so we tend to do that. Even if we do not want to be unhappy or unsafe, we tend to recreate it because it it, it is almost scarier to try to be safe and then what if you fail? Um, well, that's how abuse works, exactly. right? Like you, instead of waiting for it to happen at you, you do something to provoke it because if you can't control it happening, you can control when it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You you just you get into a you build a cycle so that everyone knows what to expect when, to some degree. Um, and for I know Mary Kay has probably seen this. I don't know if Rachel's seen this. I know I saw this with my kids all the time working in mental health. That there was this threshold crossing where the kids would recognize that they had started to form a meaningful relationship with you, and suddenly the next month of your life was hell trying to interact with this particular kid (laughs) because then they would just start like throwing darts, like anything, I don't mean metaphorical darts, like anything they could do to try and push you away, to try and sabotage, to prove that you, like all adults, don't actually care about them. You are just going to abandon them the second they fuck up, which is the, the narrative that they have internalized about how their life works, right? So Constance is really vulnerable. Yeah, any dude who shows up is going to be a threat. But Julian was not given this motherfucker the time of day, not once. No, nope. You are a bastard. Excuse my language, my dearest. Just what men call unsavory types. I, that's <laughs> such a great line. That was such, such a, a good moment. Line. But the thing is, then when when Mary Cat says, I see Constance and Julian light up for him, I was like, the fuck when? The one time he was like slightly warmed him and was like, oh, good morning. Um, Chill out, girl. Chill out. I mean, we already know she's unreliable and all, but, um, but yeah, like she, he's not a threat for Julian and he's clearly not a threat for Maricat. Like all she's got to do is, in fact, it would almost have been better to not keep provoking him. So he never shows his ass. Cause once he actually starts beating them and controlling them, then he's really dad. And then he's actually more entrenched with, with Constance, right? They also talk about, like, Julian does mention, like, oh, you look so much like John, and he sits in his place, and he confuses them often, and he's staying in his room, and he's smoking his pipe, which, I'm sorry, do you smoke other men's pipes? Do you, does well, one do that? he's the kind of that? man who would. He totally would. He would pick up your guitar and start playing it without asking. Yeah. I mean, did you see the way he was drinking milk out the carton? He's like, no, I own this place now. Yeah. I saw that shit. He was propped up on the fridge yep. and he was like... And see, that was a moment to me where I was like, this is a great choice. This is a great shot. And then it went on for like a full 10 seconds longer after I'd gotten the information. And I was like, no, this is all very deliberate. It's just like, it's a speed. It is purposeful. It's just not my speed. Got it. Okay. 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 Um, Yeah, I just, I don't feel like that that actor ever quite rises to to all of that being threatening. It's like he's putting all of this on so he would seem threatening instead of he it like he is. It's like he instead of he's him taking what makes sense for him and that is all scary, it's like he is play acting. I don't know if it's cuz he's like that makes kind, of sense. A, kind of a small guy or or what. And it's also Sebastian Stan, so I'm like uh-huh, Bucky Barnes <laughs> from, you know, from uh, the Captain America Marvel situation. Oh, I don't know. The only thing I ever see I've ever seen him in um, was Gossip Girl. That's not helpful either, is it? I don't feel like that's something that would feed the idea that he's actually menacing. Right. I mean, he was pretty. He was pretty menacing in Gossip Girl, but he was just like a. He was just a um a really shitty person. He was also like very con man like as well. But I thought it was really interesting that. Originally, they were going to have William Defoe play the character, oh, well, and then they replaced him. Defoe was going to be Defoe was going to be Julian, I thought. Oh, yeah, I think the original attached cast was fucking oh. outrageous. I I think that the guy who did who was cast as Charles did a fine job, but if I could recast him, I would put in the guy who played Pete Campbell on Mad Men. Oh, Vincent. Lovely. Car- How do you say his last name? Car- 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 yeah. He's great. 
Because he's like cute enough, but gross. Yeah, oily. <laughs> yeah, oily. he gives me the no-no feeling. Yeah, yeah. I... And he's much older than he looks, which I think could be the case with Charles. Mm. Okay, I have a new question. Why sugar specifically? Like, why would the element that uh, Connie doesn't use be sugar? Kind of like on the nose, kind of a, like, it's sweet. It's deceptive. You know, it's something that you add to make something extra tasty and dessert-like. I was like, okay. Worked for me. I mean, did anyone have a deeper thought than that about it? Because it's not a very... No, I don't have any deep deep thoughts on it just for the very fact that that's the one thing she knows her sister doesn't eat like what else does she not eat like what's like the one Mm -hmm. is is that the one denominator you know what I mean is that the one thing yeah Yeah. and then I also thought if Constance was making individual meals for everyone Mary Cat could have easily poisoned an ingredient in Constance's food but I think that would be more easily traced to Constance you know, like if if you made it into a food, it you did do it. If you just poured it out of a bag of sugar, it was already like that, perhaps. But um, I also can't see Mary Cat doing anything bad to Constance's food, like that she made. Like, like you can't see her sabotaging something she put all that love and, and effort into. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, that makes sense to me. I, I don't know. I don't think that because because I, I don't trust Maricat has true love for the sister. Oh, I, really? I feel like she does. No, I think she. I think it's just. I feel really like weirdly, she's. But, uh, go on. Go on. I think she's a sociopath, and I think she has this attachment to her sister, and I don't know exactly how to describe it or how to define it or what that is I just know that she has this want of control over her and it's like she will go to any length to keep that because like she didn't just her whole thing was about oh well father was wicked but no she didn't just kill the dad she was gonna kill them all except her sister because like even in the book wasn't there a brother that was killed too so it's the mom, the brother, the uncle. That's not an un- his that's wife not an un- and the brother. That's not an uncommon way of ch- for children to think about abuse, though. That like adults yeah, are supposed adults, to, adults are supposed to protect them. So even if factually the other adults in the household may not have known or um, may not have been in any position of like power or safety to address it, for for children it's not uncommon to kind of say like well nobody did anything because you think adults are basically omniscient you know um so that didn't that didn't jump out to me too much i don't know that you're i don't know you're wrong i mean i i can that's a that's a case to be made i think that's i, I think feel like she legs. just wants to live in isolation with her sister because she can like control her sister in some way i just feel like she just wants to be with her and her sister and nobody else she will kill anybody who impedes that. So even though Mary Cat is a sociopath, did you guys like her? No. Like I said, she was difficult for me. I could understand that some stuff was, how much was out of her control. But I also, there's a lot of pretty deliberate sabotage. Well, Not necessarily because it was the healthiest thing for her sister or because it was the right thing for her sister. But because it was how she wanted it to go. So I, I struggled I with first that. Time, the first time I watched it, I really liked her. Because you see all the work she's going through to keep everything a bay and like with the spells and going into town and you mm-hmm. seems like she's like protecting she's doing all this for her sister, protecting her sister. And the first time she goes every Tuesday and yet when it's her day to go, she was like she said, Do I have to? Right. And then for some odd reason her sister makes her go again a couple of days later, which I have questions about, but so the first time I watched it, I thought she's like honorable. She's doing all this. She's the outcast. It's not her fault, though. And then the second time I watched it, knowing the truth, I'm like, what is you doing? Like, what the f- like, what What are you doing? Why are you acting like this? So do you think that her 
Witchcraft is real? No. I don't think it matters no? if it's real or not, because either way, it's intended to keep Constance there. And Constance is like, this bitch is burying our family treasure in the yard. Clearly, I'm not going anywhere. She needs yeah. supervision. So if the goal is keep Constance there, mm-hmm. then whether it is working on a supernatural level or not, it's it's functional. Just keep burying the I silver think coins. really interesting that you said that, because I think it's more of Constance keeping Mary Cat uh, stable so she doesn't go crazy. Yeah, it's the enabling. Then it is, yeah, that I think it's more of her, I think we don't see it because, again, it's the unreliable narrator. I think it's more Constance. That's why I think she's a lot stronger than it appears because I feel like she's the one that's really protecting her sister. I mean, I'm in agreement. I think they're each protecting the other, and I'm in agreement with you that like that is why Constance is saying is staying. She sees this behavior and thinks that she won't be okay by herself. Like I she needs me. Exactly. Exactly. Like she's obsessed Sorry. with Italy and she you can see that she wants to leave. She wants to go out into the she world. She dreams of the world and, beyond, yes. Yeah, and then even at the end when Charles is going crazy, she still is tempted to when he said, Remember how it felt when I held you? And all the places we can go. And you see her kind of rising, like, from the table, like, tempted. Like, even with this madman, like, this con man, it's still a temptation for her. I hear you. And I feel like she's been so, like, neglected and abused that any small kindness goes a long way with her. Oh, my God. Can Um, we share the Love Kernels video from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? So Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, in one episode, um, uh, if you guys aren't familiar with the show, everyone go watch it. Rachel Bloom did something astonishing and beautiful, and it's an actually meaningful examination of mental health and mental illness and uh, trying to live with and live through it. And um, But it's, it's a musical, right? Like there are songs in every episode, and usually they're like a kind of like parodies of a style. Like the lyrics and everything are great. The music itself is great, but it's very clearly an homage to a specific song or style, right? Of music or music video. And there's one that is a straight send up of uh, Lemonade. Oh. That is called Love Kernels about how like, you can tell he loves you when he does these like tight, he's not even dropping you like a bag of popcorn. He's dropping you like individual kernels and you're like, that's all I needed. I'm good. That's all I needed. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And you're like, and we've all been there where you're like, yeah, but I mean, he wouldn't have texted me if he didn't, how he texted you at two in the morning. Mm -hmm. That is not love. That's a different thing. Chill out. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We'll have to link to that in the show notes for sure. Very good. It's very good. Um, but still, I did I did not like Charles because he knew that he was manipulating Constance. Um, and because he was openly hostile to Mary Cat. And she asked him politely to leave. Yeah, but he's a con man and he's not going to let this kid, like, Yeah, you know. do you think that he is their cousin? No. It didn't matter that much to me whether he was lying or not. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, his his goal was dishonorable. So either way, um, I I did yeah. I did have trouble in that moment where he's like, she is burying actual money in the yard, and uh, and uh, Constance is like, it's fine. <laughs> I was like, she likes <laughs> yeah. to bury things. I was like, okay, I'm kind of <laughs> that team moment Charles. was so at this good. Ex- at this exact moment, I'm kind of with him. Like. Yeah, like you are actively being. I wasn't. I was like, it's her money to do whatever the fuck she wants. It is. It is. Why don't you go home? It's not. It is because it's not. What struck me in that moment was not the money. Like it's their money. They can do whatever they want with it. It was that he was confronting her with like this is enabling behavior. Like right. That's not what he's saying, but that's what's happening. But he wasn't. That's not what he was saying. He was saying this is my money that she's burying. Yeah. But well, functionally. What matters in that moment is not like they have that. That is their money. It's not his money. But who else? Who else has told her ever in the last six years that like it's no? You're right. About it is. That. It is. Con- this is. Con- he's wrong. This is. He sucks. This is. Oh yeah. He's. He sucks. He is a monster. He like. He sucks. That moment for me was like 
And here the monster has a point that, no, no, that maybe this is I not the healthiest right. way, the healthiest way of, of navigating yeah, this, the... this fear and anxiety on her part. Because like he represents like the rest of humanity, like society. He's the outsider who is who's holding up a mirror saying, this is what she is doing. People don't just do this. His intention is, well, because I want your money. So stop burying the money that I want to take. But he is still at the same time holding up the mirror and being like, what is happening? So, and I agree. I think it also doesn't matter if he actually is true blood or not. Um, I immediately but, heard the theme song to True Blood when you started. I was like, so when he could that first time the scene we're talking about now and she goes you're very flushed so like he loses his cool anytime when it comes back to the money so when he's fixing the porch step and he finds the box of the silver coins and he loses his cool again it always comes back to it because at the end of the day that's where his intentions are is always the money and I do think that's why I think that in a way he's kind of like an um, when I, I, he reminds me of Sebastian from the movie Anastasia, very much the evil, more evil version of that. But I do think that there are times where he does get a little swept up with Constance. When you're saying Sebastian from Anastasia, are you talking about Dimitri? Yes. Why did I think <laughs> his name was Sebastian? He looks like a Sebastian. I was about to say, like, I know you did not just, like, misname one of the hottest animated characters of all time. <laughs> Dimitri. He is not Sebastian. hotter than Coco. I did not say. Not by a lot. I didn't say oh, Coco. I said one of the hottest. Take me, Coco. Coco is fine. Coco can get it. Coco can get it all day. Coco can get it. Um, Robin Hood the Fox can get it. Um, Robin Hood the Fox. <laughs> can get it um oh uh what's his name from princess on the frog that looks like the genie no the genie can get it um no what's his name from princess on the frog that looks like uh like rick fox yeah yeah the prince looks like, yeah prince it looks like rick fox yeah, yeah yeah he can get it he can get it I'll, honestly even the frog version of him can get it because i can just picture the other version of him and it's not unethical oh my god <laughs> like it's not cheating even yeah he has that google gadget tongue hey the frog hey Hey. <laughs> so yeah, I, I butchered the name. Um but yes, Dimitri <laughs> from Anastasia. Obviously a much darker version of that, but in the way that he is a con man. I don't think that's his true cousin, their true cousin. I think he, for sure he's a con man. He shows up in town with this flashy car. He's he's bragging about it. I think he's definitely a con man. But I do think he does not have like genuine like feelings for Constance, but I feel like he does get, she is fucking beautiful and charming. So of course he's like having these intimate moments with her. And I think he does get a little swept up in it because, um, hello, if you're a straight hetero male and you're in a house with a woman that looks like that, who is so charming, um, and cooks and yeah. I mean, duh. That cooking, like, I have those a bosoms, hard on right now. Wipe it up, right? Like that's I, as far as I under. Okay, here's the thing. I say as far as I understand it, that's what men are looking for. But I can cook, and I clearly have those bosoms. And I'm just hanging out with a dog right now, like a literal one, not a man who's a dog. So I don't, I don't know that I do understand what a dog. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't know that I do understand what men are looking for. Uh, listeners, if you would like, they don't fucking know. How are we supposed to know? Listeners, feel free. They don't know what they want. Feel free to tell us what you're looking for in women, but only if it is exactly us. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> but and so, just my last thought on Charles is that I do not like him as a person. But I like him as a character because he's interesting. Sure. I have questions. Yeah. And I think that he's kind of like an anti-hero in the way that um, 
what he could offer to Constance. Because I just want to have, I just want, I just want to see Constance just live her best life, go to Italy, and leave her sister behind. And you ain't need a man to get to Italy. You get one when you right, get there. You know what? You know how she could get her ass to Italy? All those fucking silver coins under the fucking ground of the fucking garden. <laughs> Exactly. That and I felt like that, um, but also, um, now I forgot his name, Charles. I felt like he could have been that out for her, and I could see that temptation in her. And even though I know that he's a con man and he would ultimately ruin her, a part of me was like, bitch, just go with him. Get out of that house. <laughs> Escape. Escape. Also, okay, just story structure-wise, antiheroes not half wrong – for most of the movie, the only person whose choices move events forward is Charles. Until Maricat finally gets off her ass instead of creepily watching him from various corners and dumps a dumps a vase on his bed, the only person oh, right. the only He shouldn't have been talking shit. He have been. That's the first time that's the first time she does shit that isn't burying money. Like, the first time she does something to anyone else or does anything that affects anyone else, actually, not just in her mind about witching. Like, up until that point, the character who is driving the story forward is Charles every fucking time. Mm, Which makes him, like, structurally, functionally, very much an antihero. It's not Charles' story, but it's... it doesn't happen at all, at all, without him. So, so one interesting artistic choice, which I support for the sake of the movie, is that in the book, Charles comes back with a reporter and tries to seduce Constance while she and Mary Cat are, like, sitting with their backs to the front door and Constance is, like, contemplating, should I go with him? She doesn't. But in the movie, he busts the door in and comes in and tries to take her. And then Mary Cat kills him with the snow globe with the Tower of Pisa in it, I think. Yes. Right? But she then wedges into um, his skull. Yes. Yes. Um, I liked that move. I think it's a great cinematic moment right take take the internal and how would you externalize that if something happened yeah. mm-hmm. right what, what would the and then they bury him in the garden all those coins yeah right. which is a really satisfying resolution after we've discussed like yeah. hey all this burying behavior is really unhealthy then they're like well what about this time and we're like still unhealthy i'm gonna bury your ass still still unhealthy but oh my god <laughs> But now you're not here to tell me about it, so. Yeah, like, it's it's the kind of thing that I look at and I'm like, yeah, I mean, if you spent the last six years burying half a fortune, then, uh, yeah, I buy that you would just be like, we'll just uh, stick them under the rhododendrons and mm-hmm. that's chill, right? They also continue to live in the devastated house. Yeah, they just never go to like, the it... absent upstairs. Right. Yeah. And that is so gothic, where they just won't leave the house. Um, but also, that house is amazing. Like, even after it's wrecked and all of the camera angles are shot, like, on the bevel, or whatever you call it, it's still so compelling of a place. You know, what was the most unrealistic thing to me? Like, the thing I just could not get with in this whole movie? It wasn't the living in the wrecked house. Wait. It wasn't even the white clothes they were wearing at the end when I was like, that's impossible to keep clean in your weird... No, they were wearing Uncle Julian's I know, but it was like all this like soot-stained okay. house. Like, that's not, that's not a practical choice. The thing I really couldn't get with was like, that food they were leaving looked really good. Maybe it was poisoned, but what a way to go. And also, I don't think, especially that first guy who had the whole moment where he was like, my wife roasted this chicken up real good. Like, there's a pie and, like, multiple doses. They didn't leave it. They just waited until it got dark to take it. I know, but I was like, I would not have. If someone was like, here's a roasted chicken, I would have, like, swung open the door, knocked him out, taken it, and ran. Like, even if they weren't trying to give it to me. I would have just been like, a roasted chicken! I (laughs) the part the kids are, like, taunting Mm -hmm. her, and she just opens the door. And they're like, he didn't mean it, I'm sorry! And they, like, run away. 
I feel like there is a very specific comfort in being feared. Well, and they've they've always been feared, but because of the the fire and the devastation, right? These kids finally feel confident to come to them. Yeah, because yeah, they realize, even said and they're, only, they're, they're not even in there. And they only realize they've lost their turf when she opens the door. And that's mm-hmm. the point of the castle. That's the point of the fortress is that when I am in here, I am untouchable. This is a place you can't, yeah. you can't even know anything about, let alone enter. That's, I, that's a really satisfying moment there after all, seeing all yeah. the abuse they've taken and all, this, all the, the way they've struggled. That's a really satisfying moment to see her take control in a way that where she is like reshaping the narrative and it, it's much more empowered than the burying yeah. shit in and the yard. She, yeah. has, she has the social awareness in that exactly. moment, which she doesn't really have before. Exactly. That. It's a big turn. And I was about to ask the question, um, what's the scariest aspect of this movie? But I want to answer it first because it comes chronologically right after the section that we were just talking about when the kids are taunting her and they're like, you want to eat a baby? And then she closes the door and Mary Cat says, I wonder if I could eat a child if I had the chance. And Constance goes, well, I don't know if I could cook one. <laughs> like, it's amazing. I love that dialogue so much. And I just really feel like that's some shit that we would have said to one another mm-hmm. to like get crazy dudes away from us. Oh, absolutely. Thousand percent. Yeah. I feel like we, we've definitely said stuff like on par oh, just yeah. to like be weird. For sure. But the, that those two lines are the most like satisfying mm-hmm. and also very unnerving because it's like you think that they're joking. Mary Cat's not joking. No, neither of them is joking because Constance is like, yeah, you're going to put death in their food like you did the first time. Okay. Like, I knew you did it. I knew you did it then. I knew when you did it. Like, it's amazing. It's so passive aggressive. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> but I think the only time I was a little scared, because it's, it's kind of like the the fear factor of this is so subdued. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think the times I'm most afraid is when, first of all, any time – she is upset when Mary Cat is upset. I'm like, wh- who is she going to kill next? I kept waiting for her to like kill somebody, because um, I just I just associate her with like that child fr- I told you from the Twilight Zone, um, and with this terrible power. But another time was when the crowd went into the house, and then yes. and then they found I forgot about that. and they found the girls. I like. If that if that man hadn't intervened, they would be dead, because that's just how a mob mentality works. Mm-hmm. It just escalates until you don't realize what you're doing until it's done. Which is why I think they all kind of came back with gifts, like out of apology, because they weren't. Mm-hmm. Even though they they talk mad shit about them behind their backs, they all recognize that they went too far. And I feel like I feel, they were very close to killing them. That's why I'm afraid of crowds. Just a quick question, and we'll leave it. What was with the moon? Can you explain it? Because I loved how quickly the phases changed. Yeah, I didn't the, notice that. The moon was um, the moon was uh, really on some bullshit in this story. It was <laughs> like so weird. always would, always in the window and and changing phases erratically and very large and, and very yeah. and I just thought it was really weird that. She would talk about the moon. She's looking at the moon. It's white. It's in space. But the way she describes the moon is like their backyard. Candyland. But yeah. light all the time. I just, I didn't understand the whole moon part in this. Yeah, I didn't either. All right. Then we'll it's just also it. like a real big sign for uh, witches. Okay. That and makes it, sense. It seems like the phases are changing too fast which i think maybe means that um maybe her witchcraft is working or not because in the beginning she's like i felt a change coming and no one else felt it but me and then another one of my favorite lines is um thursday is my most powerful day but same same ho same 
Love it. The weekend, there's too much competition, but on a Thursday, I am ready. The most But that doesn't make sense then. If Thursday's her most powerful day, Thursday was the day everything was ruined. Yeah, but it was ruined. ruined, Not not the house, but when she... she Well, she could sense the problem coming, but because... um, She wasn't able to check the safeguards. Well, yeah, because Constance's grocery request disrupted her ritual. She couldn't, she didn't, she wasn't able to do anything that her powers would allow. Do you think Constance knew that he was coming and that's why she sent, she sent her out? I thought as much. I thought that, that Constance had gotten some kind of word that somebody was coming. Yeah. I, mm, Charles made me so mad. Like he had just the lines when he was like, I don't deserve this. Yeah. That was bullshit. And when he was like. Who's going to love you? Yeah. Oh, classic. Look at her. Anyone. Anyone. Classically like, abusive, manipulative behavior. Yeah. Exactly. Like if you, if I, no one's going to love you the way that I can. Yeah, like, or people might love certain things about you, but not all yeah, of like it. Yeah, like if, if if you left me, what would you have? Where You'd would have you no go? One. Exactly. Is it really fucked up that I was really hoping that they would bang at one point? No. No, I mean, we I all really, love a good sex I think scene. you were just hoping that Constance would get some, might chill her out a little bit. Yeah, I really wanted them to bang. Even though I know he's bad and he's evil, I wanted her to I really, have some meat. I really I, wanted her to get with Mary Cat. What I want. I'm the worst. Yeah. Okay. So, what I wanted <laughs> was a scene in which after she and Charles bang, she comes down the stairs like Sandy in Greece. Yeah, and he's like, ah, oh, this isn't what I wanted, and she's like, that's what you get, stud. Boom, like puts out the cigarette. <laughs> you know, like, like I just needed all these years. All I needed was to fuck, and now that I fucked, I'm good. I've got this. It's like a get out. beauty situation. Yeah, get out, get out. <laughs> Bitch, I slay dragons right here. This pussy, dragon slaying. <laughs> get out my house. What's happening next on the podcast? <laughs> So um, those of you who've been listening for a while might remember that Mary Kay once swore that if we ever did another Evil Dead episode, she would not be on it. But then we were invited to uh, be guests at Spooky Empire at the end of October. It is a very exciting opportunity. I'm really excited about it's, that. That's going to be super fun. It's going to be fun. so much fun. It's a great conference. It's happening in Tampa this We're going to try to record the panels, too, so we mm-hmm, can mm-hmm. give we them are, to you We guys. are currently slated. This may change by the time this airs, but we were, we're currently slated to host a panel about horror podcasting. Um, or moderate, right? That's the right word. Moderate a panel on horror podcasting. I, I think we're just on it. I don't think we're moderating. Oh, no. We are, we're, Unless you volunteer, too, but moderating is hard. I didn't, but we're color-coded as the moderators. Oh. Yes. Good to know. Good reveal. Um, so uh, so we're, we're really looking forward to that. But the I don't know if you heard my heart do that elevator drop <laughs> of stress. <laughs> yeah. 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 So Tower of Terror. <laughs> so uh, among the uh, venerated guests at this conference will be Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. So I said, well, it only makes sense that we would watch Evil Dead 2 and discuss it before then and mary Kay, maybe she was wasted in a moment of weakness maybe she was wasted <laughs> maybe she i i don't know maybe she had just hit her head i don't know what was happening but she said of course because you know if we're gonna meet these people then we should like you know know a little bit more of their body of work so up next including mary Kay, we are discussing evil dead 2 yeah it's gonna be fun she doesn't she doesn't believe us because she has not seen it yet but evil dead 2 is obviously like more fun than the first one and is yeah i i i am hopeful yes i am hopeful she will enjoy it she will enjoy it much more than she did the previous like at all yeah yes that's what i'm saying yes that would be in yeah. Because last time we talked about when we talked about <laughs> Evil Dead, you and, and Beckett and I were like, "Ooh, Ash!" You were like, "I don't see any of that," and we were like, "Oh, that's right, because it doesn't happen in this movie yet." Don't worry, don't worry, it gets there. And you were like, "No, it, I will never 
but now it's happening. It's happening. I can't fucking wait. This is straight up it's like <laughs> coercion. Also, guys, I just want you to know, I'm going to say it now so you all hear it, that Mary Kay agreed that while we are at this conference, we will take a poll on whether or not we should do a Gremlins episode. I did not say that. You fucking lutely agreed to this. I think it's even in a text message. I swear to God, I will find it and screenshot it. You better go to the game tape because I do not remember doing that. If we take a poll at the conference and the vote is that we should do a Gremlins episode, she was like, fine, that absolutely I would do it. And I was like, oh my God. This is the best. That just doesn't sound like something I would say. (laughs) Again, maybe you hit your head. Maybe you were drunk. I don't know. But it happened. And I have been riding that high for like three months. I don't think I did that. So coming. But I'm excited for the conference. Coming up soon. The conference. Evil Dead 2. Convention. Gremlins. Yay. Oh my gosh, y'all. Tell us. Tell your friends about us. And then give us a rating. A good one. Review us. Please subscribe. It really helps people find us, mm-hmm. and it makes us feel yeah, smart and pretty. Seriously, and interesting. Patrick Bryce retweeted us, Fuck and that makes yes. me really excited. Thinking that maybe you know him and Mark Duplass will hear that we said we wanted to have a tubby with Mark Duplass, <laughs> and I want to die happy knowing that Mark Duplass out there knows I want to have a tubby with him. <laughs> Baby Beluga. <laughs> <laughs>